both prayer cards you can take if you want. And so um, anyway, uh, one time someone, I ran out of dog ones and someone came and said, I want the one with the dog. So sometimes uh, people uh, really, really enjoy that as well. So I want to tell you before I go to the message a little bit about what we've been doing. So for a number of years we wore three hats. And first we wore one, then we wore two, then we wore three. This one actually, now we're wearing two again. This one we gave up in 2017 since I've been with you before. But it, I, I, it kind of explains the context and how we, one hat gave birth to the other. So I grew up in a great missions church. Don't anybody say amen to what I'm about to say, okay? Because I don't want you to feel embarrassed afterwards. My pastor would always say something like this. God has raised up America to win the world. And the truth, you could say that God has raised up America to impact the world, and that would be 110% true. And not, not just America, too, but Sweden and Finland, Norway, Canada. Great missions all coming out of the Azusa Street Revival 100 years ago, over 100 years ago. So that's true. But the word win, though it was sincere, and he was trying to motivate us to We've got to do our part, which is true, <clears throat> but that word win crossed the line into some nationalism, some pride, and the worst, it was limiting the Great Commission to us. So Jesus never said America to go into the world. He said church go into the world. So Pastor Stefan and your missions team doesn't challenge you to missions because you're Americans, but because you're Christians. Huge difference. So the Lord put on our heart Kind of that, <clears throat> this has been, Argentina has a strong church. They have a missions call too. They just didn't realize it. Again, we kind of have that mentality. God has raised up America, and they, and they kind of had that same mentality. Oh, missionaries or people come to us. So we went to Argentina, and uh, this was our missions department when we started there uh, 30-some years ago. And uh, they had no missionaries at that time. Today they have over 200 missionaries going to over 40 nations. Actually, I think close to the 50 nations now. So we thank the Lord for that change. And uh, praise the Lord. So that hat, representing one country, gave, gave room to this hat. That uh, um, This hat here, representing 20 countries, Latin America. And the reason they use Nike too and I don't just, we don't just do it to Latin, but Latins are real emotional. And they'd, we'd go to places and they'd cry and say, we need to do it, we need to do it, and we're going to, and then we come back a couple years later, they hadn't done it. So they'd cry again, oh, and I said, we need to have a Nike theology. Don't just cry about it, don't just talk about it, just do it. So challenge our African and Asians with that too to have a Nike theology. But this hat I just use representing Latin America. So this one represents 20 countries. And we've been wearing this hat since 1999. And it's so fun. Actually, 98. It's a fun hat to wear today because Latin America has been doing this for 25 years. And they're now, the wind is at their sails. They're, they're, it's an amazing what God is doing. And some of the countries are sending their second generation of missionaries. And it's just amazing what God is doing in Latin America as they've had a really a 25-year jump on other parts of the world in this area. And so this hat we started wearing in 2009. Even though we wore it a little bit before that, this hat is, represents 106 countries that have a missions leader or a department of some kind. And when we started that in 2009, we had about 50-ish. 
So this hat's doubled, but a lot of them are just taking their baby steps. They're still in diaper. They're just getting started, but we're changing from that paradigm. And so this hat represents 107 nations. And this hat is just what I wear to not get sunburned if, it's a, if I'm walking on a sunny day. So, but I thank God for those hats. And, we've, uh, and now that we're doing two out of the three, and I thank you for your support, not just for us, but to other missionaries. Now, we were not with you 35 years ago, so we never gave you a chance to support us for 35 years. But we have 65 churches that have supported us for 35 years. And to me, the Assemblies of God missions DNA is just amazing. Just amazing. And so I want to, on behalf of, you have missionaries that you have supported for 35 to 40 years, faithfully, never missing a month. And I just want to, they can't all be here today, but you, I just want to vicariously say thank you for your faithfulness, and especially for those that you've been supporting 35, 40 years. They can't be here today, but I want to say thank you for that faithfulness, and it's just an honor. And when we go back to a church that supported us 35 years, you say, wow, thank you. So thank you for your support for missions, and, and we want to look now at the word and... Uh, so we have a saying we've been using for a number of years. Missions is done with the feet of those who go, the knees of those who pray and stay, and the hands of those who give. So that is a simple saying that we heard a number of years ago in Venezuela. It's actually even better in Spanish. Misiones se hace con los pies de lo que van. Las rodillas de lo que quedan ahora y las manos de lo que dan. In Spanish it's got punch. In English, it's okay. But uh, so we have had that translate into 11 languages. And, uh, and so uh, Hindi, they asked us to actually, believe it or not, there are more Hindi speakers in the world than Spanish speakers. A lot of people are surprised to hear that. But uh, we've had it translate into Spanish. We've had it translate into French. If you go to the next slide, please. Portuguese. Um, 11 languages we've had that language because it Helps people understand. Now, that simple little saying is what we're going to look at today through the Bible. So, that saying is reflected in the verse that we usually look at through salvation eyes of John 3.16. So, John 3.16 incarnate puts this, ver, this little saying in an incarnate, in a, in a, um, uh, in a form that we can see, and that verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So I'm going to read another verse in one minute from Romans, but let's ask God's blessing on his word. Lord, we ask for your word to be cemented in the hearts of your people. Anoint your servant, your people, and your word and Lord, besides a corporate word for this body that's in favor of a missionary vision, other people have unique needs and only the creativity of your Holy Spirit can also speak to them a specific word for them. So we ask the Lord that every person would receive what they need as well as that corporate word. In your name we pray, amen. So Romans 10, 14 and 15 also allows us to see in uh, that saying we had, very simply, how then can they call on the one whom they have not believed in? 
And how can they believe in the one on whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And it goes on, and how can they preach unless they are sent? So we have that going call and that sender, the beautiful feet and the beautiful knees and beautiful hands. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And Paul is actually quoting from Isaiah 52, 7, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who break, proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. So we take a license and a, a liberty and say, as God says, Be, how beautiful are the feet. We say, how beautiful are the knees and the hands of those who send. But in Romans, we have that, those both. We have, how can they hear without someone to preach to them? The beautiful feet. And how can they go unless they're sent? The senders. Right? Just so, so we come back to John 3.16, where we see this with God and Jesus. Jesus being the one to go, God being the one to send. We're going to look at that in one moment. But the first foundation of it all is that God so loved the world. God hearted the world. There's this TV show on, uh, uh, I think it's Monday nights, Bob loves Abishola, but it says Bob hearts Abishola. It's about a Detroit businessman who falls in love with a Nigerian immigrant. And so uh, that hearted, the young people love to use that, God hearted the world. God loved the world. And that is our challenge. We cannot easily love the world. It is not natural to love the world. It's supernatural. So I want to propose to you, if you have a heart for missions, you are abnormal in a good sense. The Bible says we're supposed to be a peculiar people. You have been given a supernatural perspective because it's not natural to have a love for the world. So that might have happened in several ways. Maybe you were discipled. Maybe you took a missions trip and you experienced it. Or maybe the Holy Spirit intervened and gave you a distinct way of looking at the world. But if you have a love for missions, that's wonderful. You're abnormally, supernaturally good. If you don't love the, if you don't care about missions, you're normal. But our objective is to have you be positively abnormal, to be supernatural. So let me illustrate with a quick saying of how we talk. I will say my family, my home, my city, my church, my state, my country, but I don't say my world. It's the world. So we love everything that's mine because we all have a little bit of that selfishness in us that we just are born with. So, you know, when kids are born or, or the kids are young, all, all, when the Christmas, all they care about is receiving. A parent, what they care about is giving. doesn't mean they don't want to receive a nice present too, especially a wife from her husband or a husband from her, but their focus is on giving because they have changed their perspective. When people are really messed up, is when they never lose that selfishness and it dominates them. And they still become receivers their entire life. And that's when they are messed up. But the point of all that is, I do not naturally have a love for the world. It's, I have a love for my world. 
And if I even say my world, I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking my world. So that is our challenge. God loved the world. And that's where it all starts. If we don't have a, see, if we don't have an abnormal supernatural perspective about the world, it's impossible to have a missions heart. You can't give a missions offering out of your heart and a faith promise if you don't have a supernatural perspective on the world. If you have a natural perspective, oh, you know, that's the, the rest of the world, they're just, you know, that's them, that's them, that's not us, then we are not going to be able to make a faith promise. We can't pray for the world if we don't have a supernatural perspective. So it all starts. A lot of it, another illustration is simple that we, lo- we look at, we haven't had our vision corrected with corrective lenses. We're nearsighted and not farsighted. I take off my glasses and I can read perfectly. I can read. But then it starts to get fuzzy. But you are all fuzzy right now. You know, every one of you fuzzy. Now, I know you're not tree sitting because that blind man, Jesus healed him in first phase one. He says, what do you see? I see people like trees walking. So I can tell you're not trees. You know, I can, I, I can not that bad. But I, you're just fuzzy. You're all fuzzy. And then I put these on and you're all clear. So what we need God to do is to give us corrective lenses to not only see what's close, but to see what's far. To not only see my world, but to see the world. So that all starts with God love the world. So the second thing of that John 3.16 is you have a goer and a sender. It says that he gave his one and only son. So in that process, Jesus goes, God sends. So we're going to look at that right now. First, the goer. So Jesus was willing to go. He told them in Luke 10.2, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. So Jesus says, we think that there's a shortage of money. According to the Bible, there's a shortage of workers. And God tells us to ask God for workers. So imagine what would happen had Jesus not been willing to go. We talk about culture gap. The testimonies of both first and service, second service, we're talking about how the children play differently and they don't have the technology where they went to in Honduras. And so there's a, you go back and it's not as clean as maybe are, you're used to and things are different and there's a culture gap and a culture shock for some people. And yet the biggest culture shock and biggest culture gap is Jesus leaving the perfection of heaven and coming to this dirty, polluted with sin planet. So Philippians 2 says, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient, even death on a cross. So what would have happened if no one is willing to go? Jesus says, God... They're going to, I'm here I'm God, here I'm at the throne of God, I, I'm going to go to earth, and they're going to spit on me, they're going to reject me, they're going to they're kill me, and, and they're, and, and they're going to make fun of me. I don't want to go. We would have, everything would have been stopped. You can't just have a goer, you can't just have a sender, you need both. So you could have senders, and if someone's not willing to go, 
You have to have both. Jesus, so my mom is 94, she's had dementia the last couple of years. Prior to that, she was great on Facebook and just really, really active. And, but she's a prayer warrior her entire life. And she'd always pray the Luke 10-2 prayer that we read a moment ago, but she'd pray it wrongly in this sense. She prayed it low and not high. She said, God, raise up more American missionaries. Raise up more American missionaries. Because she had that mentality I talked about in the beginning. God's raised up American in the world. So said, God, raise up more American missionaries. So she's not praying for Argentine missionaries to be called. Argentina is not praying the Luke 10-2 prayer because they didn't have a missions vision. So no one is praying for Argentine missionaries. But God intervened. God intervened. Sometimes he has to intervene when we're not doing our part. He intervenes. And thank God he intervenes. You know, Saul was a, a terrorist killing, persecuting Christians, and the Holy Spirit intervened and turned him into a missionary. And so... God's intervention, he begins calling Argentine missionaries. And the church didn't know what to do. They, didn't, they were talking different languages. These young people, so we had a 13-year-old, she'd been saved, 17-year-old, she'd been saved for three months. She goes, God calls her to one of the hardest nations in the world, which she later went to and had three or four babies in that nation. And, and, and she goes to her pastor and says, God's called me to Afghanistan. And the pastor says, you could never do that. We Argentines can't do that. That's something that North Americans and Europeans do. We could never do that. And she, it was, you know, bucket of cold. But pastor, God called me. So the church did not know what to do with these people. And that's in spite of the fact that my mom is praying wrong and the Argentine church is not praying for them. God intervened, began calling young people. So that you have to have a gore. A few years later, my wife says, we don't want the next generation of people telling their young people they can't, they can't go. She took material from BGMC, translated it. We didn't have Argentine stories to tell back then. Today they have dozens of stories to tell. But, but back then we didn't have any, so we took American stories and translated them. And one of her favorite stories was Lillian Trasher in Egypt who was engaged to be married and gave up her relationship and Broke that engagement because her husband wasn't willing to go to Egypt, or future, her fiance wasn't willing to go to Egypt. And make a long story short, she never had natural children, but she became the mother of hundreds of thousands of Egyptians. And Egyptian assemblies of God was birthed out of that. And, and so we told those stories, and, our, and little children were saying, I can pray for missions, and I can be called. And a five-year-old girl was called one year. And, today, and, and she almost died of meningitis when she was seven, and, she awoke from her coma, and her mom says, you almost died. She says, God wouldn't let me die. He's called me to Africa. In spite of the fact that my mom is praying low, she's praying wrong, God had intervened. And, and today that seven-year-old is in Africa with her own children and her husband. And the point of that is you have to have a goer. So before we go on to the sender, Jesus was going, let's pray for goers Let's do that Luke 10-2 prayer over your church and over Massachusetts, the United States. So, Lord, if you could call a 5-year-old and a 17-year-old in Argentina when the church was not even praying for them. Lord, we continue to pray the Luke 10-2 prayer. The harvest is great, the workers are few. And we pray, dear Lord, you could call 5-year-olds and 17-year-olds from this church right now. And should Jesus tarry, they will go to the field someday. And we pray to the Lord that you would call forth workers from Bethany, 
Lord, some of them may be 37 years old. We don't know. But we pray that you would call forth workers. And we pray you could keep calling forth workers from Massachusetts and New England. Keep calling forth workers, dear Lord, from the United States. But, Lord, also call African workers. Al, call up African workers. Raise them up, dear Lord. Raise them up. Keep calling Latins. Keep calling Asians. Thank you, dear Lord. We ask that you would raise up workers for the harvest. Goers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so the goer, Jesus was willing to go. What, had hap- what would have happened had God said, I don't want to send you? They're going to spit in your face. They're going to reject you. They're going to be rejecting me. They're going to make fun of you and they're going to kill you. I don't want to send you. So you have to have a goer, you have to have a sender. And that was our problem in Argentina. We... God had called beautiful feet. We had beautiful feet that God had called. God had called Argentines to go in spite of the fact that my mom is praying for Americans only. Our challenge in Argentina was what I mentioned a moment ago, that pastor, but we can't do that. Our problem was the church did not want to send. So we, our problem was the beautiful knees and the beautiful hands. So we had to challenge the church and disciple the church. That was our challenge. Now, you have a history of missions. So, you know, you're not starting from scratch. But I want to reinforce that and refocus that and affirm it. And for some of you that might be new and you've never heard this before, I want to challenge you that part of this spiritual journey, part of this package of being a Christ follower is also you have the opportunity to become, have a sending vision and help send the beautiful feet and uh, through being a beautiful knees and beautiful hands. So first of all, let's, let's talk about prayer, the beautiful knees, because sometimes I want to confess to you, sometimes we miss that one and we focus on the giving and we do it well and we respond because Americans are at nature generous people. You add that the Holy Spirit and a, and a discipleship culture in a church, and people respond. So people give to missions, but sometimes it's easier to give $20 in 20 minutes because we get busy. So I want to challenge you for a moment on the beautiful knees. Psalm 2.8 says, Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. So God says, ask me the nations. And so often we, again, using that same language of praying low, God, give me a car, give me a job, give me this, give me a wife, give me a husband, give me children, help me, Lord, help us with this, give us this, give us that. And those things aren't wrong, but God says, ask me the nations. And we're at God, give me a car. You know, the thing of it is, to not feel guilty The problem isn't asking God for a car. The problem is only praying low when God says to pray high. Because when we pray high, our needs are included in the nations. And in fact, I think we can ask with more authority when we are not just focusing on us. But God says, ask me of the nations. So I want to challenge you that we would not just be givers to missions. And maybe some of you have been giving faith promises for years, and yet you haven't taken the time to be those beautiful knees. So in the same way we talk about if everybody would give $100 a month or $50 a month or pray about this or pray about that, and together we could do a lot, 
I want to challenge you. If everybody would pray an hour a month, that's only two minutes a day. To pray for the nations, it's only a 15 minutes a week. If everybody would pray an hour a week, it's only nine minutes a day. Not to pray for me. Not to pray. To pray for the nations, the world. You say, I don't know how to pray. There's lots of resources. Peep, there's lots of people that can teach you how to do that. Our prayer language of praying in this spirit when we don't know how to pray. The spirit prays through us. But I just want to challenge you that we would also have beautiful knees. So I, I want to take two minutes to tell a story of a, of a major league intercessor. You know, major leagues, Boston, New York, all those great teams. I know that probably most of you don't like the New York teams. But, you know, and, and then you have the AAA teams. We used to live in Toledo, Ohio for a while. We had the AAA Mud Hens. And then you have the AA, and then you have the single A. So I want to tell you about a major league intercessor. I, so this man was a retired missionary. He lived his entire life in Bangladesh, 35 years. He's now retired, living in Wilmer, Minnesota. He's been with the Lord for many years now, but... His name was Calvin Olson. The Lord puts a burden on his heart in January of 1990 for Albania. Albania was the only atheistic country in the world in their constitution and bylaws. Atheistic because they were probably as fear of Islam as much as Christianity because of the Balkan region. It was an atheistic country. No missionaries, no churches. One of the most closed nations of the world. He gets on a burden for 90 days. Prayer and fasting. His leaders said, you're frail. We're worried about your health. You have to have soup and juices. He submitted because intercessors are submissive people. They're not independent people. And he, he went and submitted 90 days. A group of students from North Central University had a burden by the Holy Spirit. Heard of, they were in contact with each other back before text, before email, probably old-fashioned landlines. And for 90 days, he was praying for Albania. Shuts himself off for a while. Couldn't talk to his wife for several weeks. At the end of the 90 days, the Holy Spirit said, it's done. Short time later, like a month later, the government falls. We had missionaries on the ground in in an instant. The Assemblies of God of Albania today have over 30 churches. It's not a large work, but they've actually sent a missionary to Macedonia, even though they only have 30 churches themselves. And, this, and, the, and, the, and the, there's freedom of, of the, the preacher gospel in Albania. A nation was closed. So there are parts of the world that are closed today. It's not going to be won through strength or armies, but through weakness, through intercession. And it's not just praying for missionaries. It's also praying for those unreached peoples, for the, for the three resistant religions that breakthroughs would take place. And, and so... You say, well, I'm not a major league intercessor. I'm not even a minor league. I'm not even a double A. I'm not even a single A. But anybody can enjoy summer softball, friends. You can give an hour a month. Many of you could give an hour a week. And I want to especially challenge those who are retired. You have a gift of time. Some of you could give an hour a day or an hour every two or three days. Because you have time which family people working and younger do not always have and that's not to say that we don't challenge I want everyone to say we can do something that we're not doing now but some of you you say well I just you know I'm not busy anymore and I feel yeah I just don't feel like I have a purpose you have so many purposes that God can give you 
Don't let the enemy trick you into being underused. And one of those ways could be prayer, because you have time. So, beautiful knees, beautiful hands. I just want to challenge you. A unique verse for giving. Very unique. Romans 12, 2, 1 and 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Young people, you're struggling with God's will? Have your mind transformed. It says you'll be able to test God's will when your mind is transformed. So obviously this involves lots of things. It involves the word. It involves the Holy Spirit. But the point of it is, I want, why does this have to do with giving? It's easy to be conformed. It's a challenge to be transformed. And that's our challenge. So if you have not, I want to speak for a moment. Man, probably 60, 70, 80% of you have been generous givers to missions. Some of you are new and have not been. And I want to especially challenge you for a moment. Challenge you from fresh eyes. So don't give conformed, but give transformed. So conform means the world squeezes into, into its mold. You know, Super Bowl Sunday, they spend millions of dollars for those commercials, you know, just to tell, you know, you can't be happy if you don't eat this ketchup. You know, you can't be happy. And they're spending money to try to conform us to their will. So it's an exaggerated illustration. The world is constantly squeezing it's in its mold. And right now, it's even harder than ever because when things are difficult, there's a negative environment. Gas is going up. We're scared. Uh, there's problems. Inflation is highest in 40 years. I feel old sometimes. I remember paying 25 cents for a gallon of gas when I was a teenager, you know. I remember I was interning in a church in 1979 when gas jumped to a dollar a gallon under Jimmy Carter, and we were just... Freaked out, a dollar a gallon, you know, because <laughs> I was paying 25 cents. You know, that was like going up by four times. And, uh, you know, how would you like to go from, from $2 to $8 or $3 to $12? We went from 25 cents to a dollar. That was a big jump. And, uh, and so when times are difficult, the squeezing is even worse. Oh, you know, I can't. Oh, and so we had that problem in Argentina. Plus, they have... You know, they deal with 40% inflation. We're talking about eight, really bad here. They deal with 100% inflation. There was one year they had 10,000% inflation. You know, there are times when the supermarket would announce all the prices went up right now. You've got 30 minutes to check out. They're going up 10, you know, it was just chaos. And so people would say, we can't, we can't, we can't. And we had to say, I can do all things through him who gives us strength and challenge him. What if everybody give just a little bit? And so Argentina, everybody just give a little bit, do this. And they passed a million dollars and they're shocked. How, could, how did we do that? Not even faith promise. That was with lack of faith promise giving. Just everybody doing a little bit. Then they passed up $2 million. They dropped back down a bit because of devaluations, heavy devaluations of their currency, but still giving a lot. And so I just want to challenge you from that perspective. If you've not been giving to missions, I want to challenge you to give a minimum of $20 a month to start out. And let me illustrate it this way. I really, you're going to think I don't like Starbucks. I want to clarify, I do like Starbucks. I admire them. Because when we went to the field, they, weren't, they didn't exist. We come back five years later, they're popping up. Come back five years later... They're popping up more in the airports now. Come back five years later because we go five years, you know, 
go away for four, come back, they're, in, they're, they're, they're everywhere. They're like weeds in your garden. They keep, you know, we come back five years later, they're in small towns, or medium-sized towns, and I'm going, wow, they're so smart. See, first of all, I want to admire that because in Argentina, we had a coffee shop on every train corner, train, every train station. So sometimes two or three, and it was a place for people to talk and meet. So in America, we didn't have any place to just sit down and meet unless you wanted to eat a meal. So they found a void and they filled it. But what also makes me laugh about Starbucks is one of the reasons I like them is I can get my espresso coffee like we had in Argentina. It's an acquired taste. So it's strong. It's small, but it's strong. It's powerful. So uh, what la makes me laugh about Starbucks is they're such good marketers. I mean... In their lattes, which a lot of people, and I know people go there and drink other stuff too, but in their lattes, which is the main, you're kind of their bread and butter, there's hardly any coffee in it. It's all milk. In their latte, it's like that much coffee and the rest is milk. You can't even taste the coffee. You know, so they do have a, sh a short version, if you want, where you can taste the coffee. Or if you want to try Argentine coffee, just go and ask for a double espresso. They call it doppio. But uh, just ask for a double. They cut, you know, try to, no one speaks Italian here, but they always have their Italian names in Starbucks. So go and ask for a doppio, and you'll get a double espresso, and you'll taste Argentine coffee. It's very strong. You won't like it at first. So, you know, so what makes me laugh, you know, I'm, one time I'm, I'm going in the door and someone comes out and says, oh, I just had to have my strong coffee. And I said, ma'am, you can't even taste it. I didn't say it. I'm thinking, you can't even taste the coffee in that drink because it's all milk. So what makes me laugh about Starbucks is they've taken a whole generation of young people whose parents couldn't get them to drink milk and they've convinced them to spend $5 on a glass of hot milk thinking they're drinking coffee when they're drinking hot milk. So go in and ask for the doppio. It's a lot cheaper. It's only a couple bucks and you'll have coffee. And not just hot milk and zero calories and not 500 of them. So I'm going, these guys are so smart. Parents couldn't get their kids to drink milk and they're getting people to spend $5 on a glass of hot milk. They're geniuses. So in all seriousness, and I, but I'm, I'm, I'm half joking, I'm half not joking. But in all seriousness, if you've never given to milk, what about giving a, a, a Starbucks a week? Some of you say, I've never gone to Starbucks in my life. I would never spend that kind of money on a glass of hot milk. We all do things we don't need to do. And there's no, I'm not wanting you to feel guilty for that. That's not the point. The point is, let's not let the world squeeze us into its mold. That we can't, we can't, we can't. When we can, we can, we can. To not give conformed, but to give transformed. And, and so... You know, try that if you've never given to missions before. Try a Starbucks a week. Try fasting a, a Panera a, a, a meal once a, month, once a week. Just try, you know, try, take a, pack your lunch once a week instead of going somewhere else. Just, you don't even need to have a faith promise to do something. And if the Lord speaks to you to give a faith promise, that's even better. Because then the Lord's putting something on your heart that goes beyond a, 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 a a practical response. But the point of that is, that was our challenge in Argentina. We're poor, we're poor. We can't, we can't, we can't, we can't. Yes, they could. And when they passed 100 missionaries, wow. Then they passed 200 missionaries, wow. And other countries said, man, if Argentina can do it, we can do it. So praise the Lord. Thank you. Praise the Lord. The final...
as we as I close, as I close, God loved the world. Four little points in John 3:16. God loved the world. Jesus was willing to go. God was willing to send, and the result was eternal life. So when you have a when you love the world, you have a goer, you have a sender, there's fruit. Churches planted, people saved, campaigns, schools built, orphans rescued, human traffickers rescued, or trafficking victims rescued from human traffickers. And you have compassion ministries in, in disasters. You have fruit, the kingdom of God growing, the churches advancing, people being saved. That all comes because there's love the world, there's a goer and a sender. Had it not been for Jesus willing to go, God willing to send, we would not be here with our hope and promise of eternal life. So that's what really, we've looked at this verse through salvation eyes, probably your whole life for those of you who've been believers for a long time. It's a very common verse. This verse also has that missions perspective. It illustrates a missions principle. Love the world, a goer, a sender, eternal results. You can stand with me. Earlier we prayed for goers. Now we're going to pray for senders. Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit doing a work in our life. Make us a peculiar people. And a, a positively abnormal person with a supernatural intervention by your Holy Spirit. Give us a love for the world. And Lord, we pray for beautiful hands and beautiful knees. And if there's people who have never taken the time to be beautiful knees, maybe they've been generous givers. I pray that you would speak in their heart to add that part to this missions involvement to pray an hour a month or an hour a week or an hour a day or whatever you would lead them to do maybe five minutes a day Lord whatever you would put on their heart and Lord we pray that some people who maybe have felt that they don't have a sense of purpose they may feel that their productive years when they were working are done they have plenty of purpose and one of those purposes can also be to use some of the time they have to be beautiful knees to change the nations Lord we pray for beautiful hands we pray dear Lord that none of us would give conformed but transformed may the fear of the world around us today not overcome us but maybe overcome the world. And so, Lord, we pray that for some people who have never given to missions before, Lord, whether it be to start out with a Starbucks or that you would speak to them to do more than that even now, pray to Lord that they would take that first step even now between now and the convention and the fall and begin to have those beautiful hands. So, Lord, we thank you that Bethany's been an incredible sending church. Just continue that heritage, dear Lord. Renew it. Lord, may it be renewed. 
We continually need your grace to renew us. So, Lord, may that spirit again be renewed and be fresh and new for others. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, Brad. I want to challenge you today that if uh, if you have sensed the Holy Spirit directing you in being a, a prayer, uh, being beautiful knees, or being a, a giver in beautiful hands, that you would take a step to actually do that, to not just, uh, well, like he, like Brad said earlier, to just do it, to, to move on what God has spoken to you today. There are a couple of resources that are available to you to help with that. First of all, if you are sensing God has called me to pray, and that should be every one of us, that we would say God has called us to pray. He has told us in his word that that is the case. But maybe you're unsure how or what to do. A couple of things that could help you are this. One is we have a list of all the missionaries that we support on the wall uh, in the missions hallway there where the two TVs are on the wall that have missions content on. There's a list that has all 200 of our missionaries. I'd encourage you to grab one of those. You can begin to pray for the names on that list. Out there in that same hallway, we also keep the prayer cards for the most recent missionaries who have come to the church. And so there are four or five out there right now. You can grab Brad and Rhonda's. His table is out there as well. Grab those. Put them up on a board. Put them on your on your, uh, on your your um, fridge or, or get a cork board and put them up and start keeping those and praying through them with your families. Pray through them as a couple or, or by yourself and make it a priority to include praying for missionaries and the nations that they represent during your prayer times. In fact, this is something that the Lord has put on my heart recently because we support over 200 missionaries and we pray for one on Sunday, we pray for one on Wednesday, which means it's going to take us over two years to even pray for all the missionaries that just we support. And so rather than doing that, we're working on a way where we're going to be praying for a new missionary that we support every day so that we can pray for them all at least once a year. And so we're going to be announcing that soon. I want to encourage you to take advantage of these things because as a church, we need to not just be giving, but praying for the work that God is doing around the world. Second is this, if you have not yet participated in giving in missions, maybe there's something that you felt the Holy Spirit put his finger on this morning when Brad said Maybe for you it's something else. Maybe it's tea. Maybe it's you stop at the gas station and you buy that whoopie pie or whatever it is over and over. And it wouldn't cost you a lot to say, I can give this up. There is margin in my life to give. And maybe even more, God has challenged some of you to take a step beyond that to do what we call a faith promise, which is not just saying, okay, I can spare five bucks and it's no big deal and I'm not going to feel it. But God is calling you and you sensed it in your heart today to give in a sacrificial manner. Maybe it's even something that you'd say, I don't know that I can do that, God. But he's calling on you to, to do that this morning. That's why we call it a faith promise. You're responding to God and saying, I believe that God is going to enable me as I respond to him in faith to give in a manner that is beyond what I see with my own eyes I would be able to otherwise give. And if that's you, I encourage you to take that step of faith. Trust the Lord and you'll find that when you do, he provides your needs. And we have some faith promise cards. They're at the hospitality counter. You can grab one. You can fill it out. You can just drop it in the offering box in the lobby or give it to uh, the person at the hospitality counter or bring it to me when you're done. And this will uh, just be a, a 
between you and the Lord and you're saying, God, as you enable, I'm going to give sacrificially and in a faithful manner so that your work can be done around the world. And I want to ask that you would take that step. One of the points of our vision is to renew heart. And what we mean by heart is the kind of heart that Brad talked about today when he said, for God so loved the world. We didn't mean anything other than we want to have a heart for the mission of God. And we want that to be a continually renewed focus that we have. We cannot rest on our laurels as a church that we we, you know, we're known as a missions giving church. We want to say God has a call for us in this time and in this season. And if you've not yet participated, that call is for you. Don't let it be about something that somebody in another generation did or is doing. Let it be what God has called you to do because he is calling you this morning. Would you bow your head and pray with me and let's respond one last time to the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name we come to you and we thank you so much for the word of God this morning that has reminded us that there is a part that we all play in the mission to proclaim Jesus around the world. Father, we thank you so much that we have recently celebrated the resurrection of Jesus on Easter. What a joy it is to remember what God has done in our lives. And Father, we want to be a part of helping others to realize the great gift that you have given in sending your Son. And I pray that there would be in every individual's heart that sense of call this morning to be those beautiful knees, to be those beautiful hands, or maybe, Lord, you're even calling some to be a goer, to be that beautiful feet. And Lord, we ask that you would encourage each of us, putting the finger of your Spirit on our hearts and calling us. May we not neglect it. May we not ignore it. May we not be afraid of it. But may we say by faith we're going to do what God has asked us to do. And I ask that in every individual that begins praying, every individual or family that begins giving, I pray that they would begin to quickly see the the sense of the fruitfulness in their lives. God, even where we cannot see all the results, I pray that they would quickly begin to sense your Holy Spirit's empowering, your provision in their lives, and the grace that comes when we walk in obedience to you and in faith. Lord, we thank you for that. We love you, and we ask for your blessing on that vision that you've given this church to renew our hearts before you. It's in Jesus' name we pray and we believe. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. We will see you again on Wednesday for our annual business meeting. Until then, go in God's grace and in his peace.